five four three two one zero and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello, everyone. I'm in Santa Barbara today, uh, beautiful Santa Barbara on a beautiful day with uh, photographer, author, educator, Chris Orwig. Chris, how are you doing today? Great. So good to be here. I know we finally, we talked on the phone a few times, but never got to meet in person. So today's the day. It's great to be here. You have an amazing place. Um, got a lot of stuff to talk about, but before we jump into this, just a basic, um, I love to ask people if I had met you at a party somewhere and I said, Hey, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? How would you explain that? Yeah, that's a pretty tough question. So uh, <laughs> start with the hard one. Um, It'd be interesting to hear your answer to that too. But I think, you know, something along the lines of people, you know, people when they ask that question, I guess they, they want a pretty short answer. So I'll say usually I'm a teacher or a photographer, one of, the, one of those words. And then the next question will be, what do you like to photograph and all that? But that's, I think, where, 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 I, where I start. A teacher and photographer. Yeah. I used to say photographer, yeah. And then I, and then the second, the follow-up question was always, what kind of photography? And right, if I right. wanted to talk, I would yeah. say documentary photographer because they would immediately assume that I was a filmmaker, and I would have to explain that. But then they would ask about like what kind of projects, and that right. was always fun. If I didn't want to talk, I would say wedding photographer, and people would just kind of go, uh, okay, <laughs> that's cool, and they would drift off. But then I, I didn't. Something funny happened. I wasn't uh, 2010. I quit working as a photographer, right. so I quit in, introducing myself that way. And the people around me, sort of apologetically, would step in and say, "No, no, no, no. He is a photographer. He's a photographer." Because I, I would say I work for a publishing company, yeah. and they'd say, "No, no, no." And he doesn't do that. He's a photographer. And it was an interesting sort of psychological thing that it meant so much to them more yeah. than it meant to me, and right. that that it was comfortable for them to categorize me as that, but not right. as somebody who works for a publishing company. I still, even that was six years ago, I still have people that sort of refuse to, to believe that I don't yeah. work as a photographer anymore. Right, but right, I'm not sure. Right. I guess there's a whole other story there. Yeah, and that, to me, that the whole, that's the interesting part of you know identity and the external definitions and also the internal, meaning, and I've said this other places, but there's this great book by Mishka, say it's all about the lead singer of U2, Bono. And he, he, at one point, Bono says, I'm not a celebrity, as they're talking. And he's like, well, what the hell are you then? Yeah. And he goes with, he has this paragraph of things that I'm a scribbling, cigar smoking, Bible reading, band man, and the loudest folk group in the world or something. But anyway, what I love about that is that he, and I think other great people and artists have an internal dialogue or definition but occasionally you just have to use like the external one like you have to yeah. say i'm a photographer teacher and yeah. people are like great or like you said you use wedding photographer and it's like it sort of meets that need yeah but then to not have the time to actually develop the internal one you know that's sort of a bummer that's the thing i think a lot of us are missing especially because you know we've talked before how photography is so like i don't know what it is now but it uh it's different it's different yes and that what i find at least when i work with students the ones who have that internal definition whether it's you know i'm really into 
road biking or I'm really into all these other things and I do that and that's part of their identity, their photographs are always better. The ones who are just one-dimensional photographers, they're not as good. Or they'll be good for a little while and then, they'll, then they'll, the bottom will fall out, you know. I just did a post a couple of days ago about being more than a okay. photographer because one of my heroes growing up and when I, got, when I first found photography was Peter Beard. And yeah. I remember reading an article and him saying, don't just be a photographer. you got to be more. And it always stuck with me. Now, for him, being the background that he has, and he you know, maybe had some opportunities that other people don't, but I was like writing and traveling and learning a language and all these music, all these things, you're going to be a lot more interesting and a lot more well-rounded. And ironically, when it comes to things like commercial work, oftentimes the art directors and the people you're working with are looking at you not only for your photographs, but they're looking and saying, is this somebody that I want to spend time with? Is this somebody that I want to be in front of a client with? And if you are that one-dimensional person, nobody wants to talk about like f-stops and stuff. They want to talk about the fun stuff. So you kind of have to, and that's what we're going to ask you a question about that later. So I'm going to give you three things and then you rank them in order of importance. And it's not a trick question. So it's surfing, shooting, and family. Yeah, family, and then surfing, and then shooting. And I think the the surfing, I would also say, I'm going to clump in there other outdoor stuff. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm just going like, to, if I can do that. Give me some examples. Yeah, biking, like we've talked about road biking, mountain biking, hiking, camping, um, getting away from the screen, you know, that yeah. stuff I'm going to say is that, that middle category. So family, yeah, hits first then that other stuff and then i think that those things give me the juice for the third one you know if i have any left yeah yeah i mean it's and it's a tough it's a tough thing too because you know say surfing a lot of times people because i've had a chance to work with a number of surfers they'll say oh like do you love just shooting surfing i say i don't do it because i would always rather be in the ocean riding the waves than actually sitting on the beach or swimming shooting the waves and so that's one of those questions where, um, anyway, that that's part of my, my, my order. Yeah. But then if I'm like, if I've gotten a lot of good waves and I've, you know, I've had a lot of, maybe I went on an amazing bike ride that day, I'm really content shooting photographs, but not the other way around. Well, so funny. I don't know if that's good or bad. No, the reason I ask is because for, I would say probably at least 15 years of my life, maybe 20, the photo was number one. Okay. It was always number one. Yeah. Then I got sick. Like you would wake up and oh, you that would was it. That was That's it. all I okay. thought about. Yeah. And I would never consider traveling not to make photos. Every vacation, every trip, everything was always okay. photos. And then I got sick. Okay. And then that was a th- been a three-year period, and it really made me, which is kind of a cliche when you hear people get sick, it kind of makes you reanalyze everything. And right. I realized I was doing all these things in my life, outdoors, climbing, cycling, all this stuff before photography. Yeah. And then it went on a break, and then I rediscovered it. And so now when people say to me, hey, you know, if you had an option to do this or this, my, my option is always I'll go climbing or I'll go yeah. cycling or I'll go hiking first, and then the photos will come second. Yeah. And that's, it, it was kind of uncomfortable to think about it that way. Yeah. Because, like suddenly there's been this tectonic shift in my, hmm. in my focus. But right. I, and I figured you would answer that way. I wasn't sure if the surfing would, yeah. would, would go before photography, but I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear that yeah. that's, the, yeah. that's the way it is. So I came up with three things. I had plenty of time in the car over the last few days to think about this. There were three parallels of surfing in photography that I never really thought about, and I just want to get your opinion if I'm on base or completely off base here. Number one is the similarities between surfing and photography is it takes a really long time to get good at both of them. And when I say good, I mean 
not just standing up on a board. I'm talking second reef pipeline breaking and being able to get in the water and surf, survive, etc. Photography is the same way. You can expose things correctly in a short amount of time with the equipment today. But really understanding who you are as a creative can take, took me about 10 years, can take a long time. Yeah, and I don't think I've, I, I think on the photography side, as far as taking a long time, I, I'm not there yet, you know. And so I think, yeah, I think there are, there's the similarity too in that, you know, two thoughts come to mind. One is, you know, this book I was reading recently, Barbarian Days. It's kind I've, of a, yeah. I've read it too. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's this one line where he talks about is surfing, when surfing is becoming a sport, it's like in the evolution, right? And then he says he, he saw it less of a sport and more as a way. And I, and I, I did think about photography is that in that way that it's, it's less of the trophy shot on your wall. It's less of the the gear or whatever the because people always say like how many or something how many frames per second or whatever and i say i don't know (laughs) um but that it's it's what i've learned how i've grown how i've changed and that also surfing is this mindfulness it's this awareness it's you know it's it's water it's things are changing it's not replicable you can't you know the one shot you get even if you repeat it 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 never works and it's probably worse that you tried to imitate yourself and that also Another thought comes to mind of the surfer Rob Machado, who's just a, has a really good style, and he often talks about when in competitive surfing they remove style as one of the criteria that they judge surfing on. He kind of flipped out. He was like, "You can't, you can't take style out of the equation. Like this isn't like mechanics of like do these four moves and then you get points. It's it's also it's like the soul of the matter, right? So yeah. I think photography is the same way, right? That it's um, you know, it, it's it, maybe that from, and this is me, that I feel like I take pictures to grow and be changed, you know, more than I take pictures for the result of the image. Well, I think what's interesting about you saying they taking the style out of the contest, um, and before I say that, Machado, Machado also has the best hair. Yeah, he does. Of he any, does. Yeah, any yeah. surfer I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, that's true. But if how many times have I talked to photographers who said they looked at my portfolio and said, oh, I love this work, and then hired me to shoot product on white seamless? Yeah. So that in essence, they are taking the style out of it. It's like, right. yes, we know we, you can do this over here, and that's beautiful, yeah. but we don't want beautiful. We just want this. And oddly enough, over time, that can have a real impact on you when it comes to doing that work. But um, the, the second point is that uh, take first point was takes a long time to get good. The second point is success is is very very rare to make those like life-changing whether it's a life-changing wave yeah or it's those images that i call life images where if i came to you as a photographer and said how many pictures have you really made that on your grave you're going to say okay that's representative of me there could be a half dozen there could be a dozen and you think about waves and guys and even barbarian days the amount of time in the water for these moments that are so fleeting but is that that's a pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah, I think that's incredibly accurate, and I think that even you know, there's one if whoever is listening, if you're into surfing, you'll know his name, Tom Curran. He kind of like a Michael Jordan figure in the sport, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. Yeah. you know. But I was, I was, uh, he lives in Santa Barbara, in the town where I live, and I was over at his house once, and we were talking about something, and contest came up, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I haven't won a contest for I think 22 years or something." Yeah, he's one of the greatest surfers of all time. And so it was interesting to hear someone like that. And it's like you're saying with photography, it's, yeah, I, I feel like those images, yeah, maybe they're, they're, 
if you're lucky, you have a few in your lifetime, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, a few. But that's okay. It, and it's not, I think that's what part of that, you know, the surfing part is, not to overdo it, but it's like you traveled to get there, you learned about culture, you had these experiences, or um, or maybe I had this experience. I mean, we'll just I'll throw in a story. I had a guy's trip to Costa Rica this year. All right. That sounds yeah. good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> One of my best friends in the world lives down there. So he's like, you guys got to come down. Six of us, best friends since college, you know, kind of thing. We we sail over to Witch's Rock, which is a wonderful surf spot. It takes about four hours to get there. We're in the water. I'll keep the story short, but a, but a 10-foot crocodile shows up Ugh. in the lineup. And the thing about a crocodile is it's what you don't see because you see its little kind of yeah. I don't know. It's it's eyes. It's eyes, and it's yeah. part of its tail, and then it's partly under, and then it's, and you're like, oh my gosh, because usually, every time you see a crocodile, otherwise you see it from above, and you can make out its whole shape. But when you're in the water with this creature, anyway, the whole point is, you know, it gives you a good fright, and you think about life and everything. But that that um, you know that experience was was, and I think. Photography has those too, where you're scared out of your mind, you know, oh, yeah. or you're you're photographing someone you admire deeply or you respect, or someone who, I don't know, who knows what. But but th- those are the things that are rare but wonderful and remind you what it's all about in some strange way. The crocodile will also increase your paddling speed. It will, yeah, yes, dramatically, yes, dramatically. You're like, God, I can really paddle dramatically. Speaking of Tom Curran, yeah. I I don't know that much about surfing. Okay, um, no, I'm not a very good surfer, but I went to school in Texas, and it was the semester. I, the semester I graduated was the last semester of doing design with T square and tracing paper. The following semester, they went to Max. And so we had to find publications, then replicate them in class to learn about page design. And so I fell in love with surf magazines. So getting surf magazines in Austin in the early 90s was possible, but not not too easy. But I started to see Tom Curran in, in like everything and Acalupo, and there were all these guys of, of that era. Yeah. And the thing that I like about him that I think translates to photography is even today, if I go on YouTube and there's a surf film and I don't know who's starring in it, he is immediately recognizable on the board yeah. by the way he rides. Yeah. His cutback to me is like, yeah. I can 100 miles away, I go, that's yeah. Tom Curran. Yeah. And that is what every single photographer in the world is striving for because the only thing that you can do now, especially, that differentiates you from anyone else is unique imagery. That's what has value. Yeah. Because if what you're making is what I'm making, then why would I pay you? And then it's right. a battle of like, how low can you go? Right. Whereas if you want Tom Curran in your film, you can't hire some kid that kind of looks like Tom Curran. You got to go get Tom Curran. Yeah. And that's where the value is. Yeah. And what's interesting about his style, I mean, relating it back to photography is, you know, because I'll get a, have a chance to surf with him or just you see him around town surfing different spots. And a lot of the, the younger folks are punting these really big airs, which is basically, you know, it's attention grabbing. You're sort of like, wow. But Tom's style is, it's like you said, I mean, you, you know it. But it doesn't draw attention to itself. But then once you cue in to it, it's mind blowing. And so I think photography is the same way. Where I mean, it's not like it's weak or it's hidden or it's understated or something. But it's you know, it's like all, all the little bells and whistles stuff like that's kind of fun, and you see someone do that. But then you see someone who's really really good like that and has committed, the, put in the time, and has the depth and the soul and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's nothing else. And so, yeah, for me, I think as far as the photography side, that's what I'm striving for, you know, and 
yeah, that may take a lifetime, I think, doesn't it? Well, I think so. I mean, I think if you think that you, if you've, if you think you got there already, like, like I said, it took me about 10 years to kind of go, oh, I think I have an idea. Yeah. But if you're content at that level, then you're never, I, I think you kind of miss the point that there's yeah. always this uh, evolution that's going to happen. Yeah. Especially if you're working in the industry and the industry is so tumultuous and there's so much change happening. And how do you navigate the change without losing your mind and your soul in the same, at the same right. time? That's a, that's a tricky thing. But it's like, you know, I think of, uh, of great sort of essays and you think Tom Curran and his style. And I think like Salgado's gold mine yeah. images from Peru. And then I think like Bruce Iron, watching Bruce Iron surf backdoor pipeline. And I was like, you know, there's a connection there with that guy and that, that wave that's, and I went to, would go to the North shore like every yeah. year for 10 years in the winter and see that guy surfing and just go, wow, that's, you know, that's sort of his, his Brazilian gold mine work is, is there. That's for me anyway, I'm sure he has that with a lot of other locations, but okay. The third point, and this is to me the really funny one. So the first point is it takes a long time to get good. Six, point two is success is rare. Point three is when you have that success, let's say that you make that life image or you get that one wave, that one tiny bit of success is enough to completely hook you on the process for the rest of your life. Yeah. So the minute you make an image that you go, that was a fantastic image, or the minute you make a wave that where you're like, okay, that was like a life-changing wave, for the rest of your life, you're, you're basically addicted to pursuing that. Yeah, I, I'd say without a doubt in the sense of the type of photography I enjoy most is portraiture and an image that comes to mind, which isn't a great image, which I would say the same thing in surfing. It's not that you're the best surfer in the world. That doesn't really matter. But to me, it was really important was of a mentor and friend. And then a couple years later, he died. And then to have had taken the time to have that photograph, I was like, this is so meaningful. This is bigger than camera and lens. This is bigger than whatever is happening moment you know this i'm hooked like you said and and i think that's true with the sport of surfing because that's an, it's an interesting sport where some sports you it's all about how good you are that sport isn't like you can be really bad at surfing and have more fun than someone who's really good i think photography can be like that yeah and i think that's where it's gotten a little lopsided you know where all the likes and all this stuff happens and it's and it's you know if you go to italy and come back and no one likes your photos then you kind of feel down but it's like that doesn't matter you know, what matters is that you might have been changed or you learned or you, you know, so that's, that's the thing for me that is the hook. You I got guess. to experience Italy. Yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah. matter. The fil filtering through someone else's approval or disapproval is a weird thing, but it's yeah. now part of the culture. Right. Or you got chased by a crocodile out of the water, you know, and, and that wasn't even actually riding the wave, but it was somehow connected to that experience. And so that makes you realize, okay, when, when, and that happened, I mean, this will be kind of strange, but but uh, that's okay, right? Is it okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. No, everything's fine. But it made me realize, like, I'm not ready to die. And then I did take a trip to Italy recently Why I mentioned that. I was driving through Italy in this little rental car. This is just a couple weeks ago. And I was just weeping. And, and, and I didn't really know why I was. Um, but I, it came to just this, I, this, this came back to that crocodile, I think, and other things, and just saying, I'm not ready to die. And... Life is incredibly short. And I think part of it's you're around all these. In Italy, you understand time differently, right? Or a lot of places in Europe. Yeah, are, sure. Yeah. And you're like, wow, time. People arrive, people leave. I'm one of those people. And 
I'm not ready. I, I have dreams I want, I still want to chase. And so anyway, for me, I think that's also the thing on photography that hooks me, right? That, that is like, it helps you relate to time in a unique way. Uh, mindfulness, presence, people, places, thing, you know, all that stuff. Um, so yes. And I think to answer number three, yes. <laughs> all right. So I'm three for no, three. No, 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 no. But I, what I, do you think? I, I'm, def- I'm, I'm three for three. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, photography and surfing is in many ways are about failure. Yeah. Because 99% of the time in the water or you're walking around with a camera, everything you shoot is crap. Yeah. And then occasionally you go, okay, I nailed something. Um, I've just, a story for me, I haven't surfed, um, I hardly ever surf. And a few years ago I was down, I was just with this friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. She lives in Laguna and we we're friends with a guy who works for Surfrider. And so he calls us one day and says, hey, let's go down to, to you know, San Onofre, we'll go surfing. So he, lo- he loans us both boards and like we're paddling out. And right before we get in the water, he kind of casually looks out at the, at the swell and he goes, you know, it's a lot bigger than it looks. And he starts paddling out. So I'm like, well, he knows I can't, I'm, t- I'm a terrible surfer. He'll, he'll watch out for me. So we, we're, we paddle out and we're sitting on the outside and I'm thinking, okay, I totally got this dialed. And he says, uh, all of a sudden he says outside. And I look and there's just, I just see this line on the horizon and I'm thinking, oh no. And so I'm just pat- digging as hard as yeah. I can. And as I, the first wave of the set, he turns and takes it. And I barely make the top. And as I'm turning, the spray's hitting me in the face. I turn around and my friend is like 10 yards behind me and she just gets drilled. Well, I get drilled on the next wave. And I eventually ended up getting out of the water down by like the power plant. I didn't, I didn't, I was just bouncing along the bottom and thinking, God, but you get out of the water and you go, I think I figured, okay, now, now I know what to do. And you go back out there. And photography is the exact same thing. It's like, I go back through negatives and you look at things and go, God, I, what was I thinking? Like, this isn't even remotely a, a good photo, but yet I'm going to burn 12, 15 frames on it. And then all of a sudden you get something that you go, okay, that's it. That's one of the, one of the takes. And it just fuels you to get back in the field. And it's, yeah. there's not many things in my life that that uh, prompt me to do that. I think right. with so consistent failure. Yeah. Today, failure is not looked upon in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you're not, you don't publicly talk about it. So right. when I started my blog back in 2000 or whatever it was, I started writing about what it was like to be a photographer. And I had a lot of people not email me at the time, but call me and say, you can't talk about that. Don't admit that things have gone wrong. Don't admit that you blew a shoot. And I said, do you think clients are stupid, that they don't know that this goes down? But people wanted to sort of protect the facade of failure. And to me, it's like, that's the not necessarily the fun part, but that's a part of it. You know, if you think you make great images every time you go out, you're delusional. Yeah. Yeah. And then the question, too, I think is, you know, back to the... You know, I know we're tying this to surfing, but we'll, I'll just have fun with that. But tying it there is what do you do with the failure? You know, meaning, you know, and same thing in photography. Um, and I think there's times for me when I've come back from taking photographs where it was a risk of like trying to photograph someone I really respected, admired, and I blew it. And, I, and I've just been devastated. Um, or, and to feel that, like that's okay. You know, it's okay because that's, I think, the problem with brush, you know, like saying, like, let's not talk about it. Then you don't ever really learn from it, right? You know, and I, I you know, I'd say surfing's the same way. The only way I've become better in that sport is I've asked guys or been around other people and said, hey, how can I, like, look what I'm doing? And they'll point out things which, you know, it's sort of humiliating. Like, surfing's a sport where you're supposed to be cool, right? You're supposed to do everything cool. You're supposed to carry your board cool, walk down the beach cool. You're supposed to... You know, and, and when you learn, you're just a com- 
you're not cool, <laughs> and, yeah. and, but you need people, you know what I mean, and, and, and who, who realize, who help you realize, okay, being, this isn't about being cool. Like, anyway, I, I don't know if I'm just talking in circles. No, but, I, I, when I grab a surfboard, I'm incredibly self-conscious yeah. because I'm not cool, right, and I right. know I'm not cool, and right. then you realize everyone's looking at you, and, and there's that perceived notion that, oh, you have a surfboard and you're wearing a wetsuit, you must be cool and you must know what you're doing, yeah, and then yeah. when you don't, it feels and looks 10 times worse. Yeah, yeah, and photography is probably the same in that, you know, it's like cameras are cool and all this new technology and all this stuff's cool and we're all cool. But it's like, no, um, you, you kind of, to, to create good images, sometimes you have to do really dorky stuff, which may mean like, I don't know, like climb through a tree in an awkward way to get a shot. Or it may mean you set your camera up to photograph the Golden Gate Bridge and people are like, oh, seriously? Like everyone's photographed the Golden Gate Bridge. Like that's like, what are you doing here? And, and saying like, no. I haven't. I still need to do this, and yeah. and I want to, I want to get to know this bridge, and and then for me, that's the sweet stuff, you know. And I, I would say surfing's the same way. It's like you put time. What surfers will say is time in the water. You get better by time in the water, and you, and you get out there. And then um, I, I think photography is probably the same. Yeah, um, it's, time. It's time. not about acting like I got it all together and I'm going to nail it. I, I don't think I've ever felt that <laughs> in photography. No, I remember the times when I blue things yeah where you're like oh that and you know there have been some colorful ones but to me it's like a celebration of i like flaming out and just yeah. cratering every now and then just to keep things in balance okay well tell me this so, but you're shooting again now a little bit well I, mentally i have made the decision to start shooting again which okay. is a little bit scary because okay. i don't and why why are you shooting again uh because i've sort of run out of you know i make a lot of publications yeah. i make a lot of books a lot of publications and i've sort yeah. of regurgitated everything i've done many yeah. times before and i'm really sick of everything i've ever yeah. done and secondly it's i have a hard time sitting in front of a computer for any length of time yeah i just kind of feel like this is not what i was put on the planet to Got do it. so I want to do that, and then I want to see if I can still do it, and I want to see how my photography now is different than it was a few years ago. Okay. And plus, there's places I want to go and things I want to I want to yeah. see what's going on out there. It's um, I don't I don't want to do I have no exotic travel plans or anything like that. I want to go mostly to back to the in the American West is really where I want to work. Okay, so as someone who's left and is coming back, can I say that? I mean, you're coming back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm trying how does it to feel? come back. Yeah. Um, well, the weird thing is too. Lime did a number on my brain, okay. and it also did a number on my vision, okay. and it's still doing a number on my brain Got and vision. It. So it's harder for me now to look through a camera. It's harder for me to focus. Like I know I needed, I need to focus to get the work. So typically, even if I hadn't quit quit shooting, let's say that I just took a, a month off. If you put me in the field and said, "Okay, this you got to shoot today on the project," I would be behind. I would see things that I should have not seen because the shutter was blacked out or I was looking through yeah. the phone. And, and I see it and I go, oh, God, I should have shot that. And it takes me two or three days to get back in that in that groove. Now I've taken, you know, since 2000, probably 13 off. It's I'm way slow. I'm way behind. Even functioning and fumbling with the cameras and reloading film and stuff like that, it's a little different. And I just have to go and take a dive and, and do it. Yeah. Por even portrait, I haven't shot a portrait in a long time. So yeah. like when we're yeah. done with this interview and I got to go yeah. take your portrait, it's going to be awkward. And are you liking it, coming back to it? I'm loving the idea of coming back to okay. it because, again, it's like I haven't been out there in a while and I'm just curious. Plus, there's really good stories. There's stuff happening that I'm, I'm interested in that, yeah. that is infuriating me. And I, that's what's driving me is really the what's happening with the election, 
what's happening in the American West with development and sort of, uh, you know, sort of unbridled development where there's no rhyme or reason. I found out that the place that I grew up in Wyoming was just subdivided. And that was just like a knife. That was a dagger of saying, God, like people just have to understand what that means. It's not just another neighborhood. So that's what's fueling me. The actual photographs, I'm not really, I haven't even thought about. Hmm. And then what, um, I'm sorry, I'm turning this on you, but I'm curious. No, it's okay. What, what, uh, What in your mind makes a photograph good in this, you know, now that you're in this yeah, and this I'm just broken li- down. Yeah, returning. Yeah, when I'm just gonna liken it to like, let's say the surfer, you know, just because we're nerding out on that, but someone who leaves the sport for a number of years and then comes back, it's it. There's got to be something that's different, you know. Well, I think context now is different. I think how the public views photographs is very different. Yeah. It's totally different, and it was different even before I stopped shooting. Right. I I went from coming up in the industry when photographs meant permanence, meant truth meant history and then within 10 years it was temporary disposable and free and and that's kind of depressing and suspicion (laughs) you know people would say oh well that's you know how do you know that hasn't been photoshopped so that that was fundamentally Mm. changed i think the average everyday first world human being is so bombarded with visual stimuli on a daily basis that getting an attention span is really the the key of what you're after is someone's undivided attention and that's a good photograph is one that Someone well, a good, no, a good photograph to me, it, it varies. A good photograph can be 100% dependent on, it could be a, a, a breaking news and it's terrible light and your framing is awful, but the content is just so overwhelmingly powerful that you can't look away. I think that's a great photo. Uh, I think photos that are unbelievably visually sophisticated where you know that the person behind the camera saw all those working parts and purposely included and excluded everything that you see was yeah. done intentionally. Those are rare and that's an amazing thing. And then, I mean, the whole, nothing technical ever creeps into the into the equation. I could care less technically how it's done, but I would say those are that's what makes a great yeah great photo. And then you throw in the fact that if you're shooting for sequence or story, and you're trying to build a body of photographs, how they play together, and have you given have you shown me ten amazing photos that don't tell a story, or have you shown me eight amazing photos and then two photos that help me understand what's happening and that's really good like journalistic storytelling photography and that that can that's tricky too because your ego is saying yeah but these two pictures don't people my 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 colleagues are going to look at it and go well that's not a great photo but the guy who doesn't know anything about photography who's trying to understand the story goes oh yeah i need to see that i need to you know it could be a scene setter where you're where i'm shooting okay that's great but and that's another balance and thing that, but I don't have to worry about that because I'm not shooting for anybody. This is all my disaster waiting to happen. It's all right. wrapped right. up in my head. Right. And then you're shooting some digital and film. I am. I've, I'm primarily hoping to shoot film, but I know that there's digital along the way and uh, certain things I really like digital for and sort of snapshots, postcard stuff, I love digital for. Yeah. And I pretty much shoot all black and white film, so it's nice to have color every now and then if there's something yeah. that just demands. And do you shoot with your phone or whatever? No, I shoot with a... Um, I hardly ever take pictures with a phone. Okay. I take. Uh, I have a little Fuji uh, X100T camera, yeah. and then I have a Canon 5D3 and a bunch yeah. of lenses. But I probably use that. That's the best digital system I have, but it's probably the one I use the least because it's the biggest. Yeah. And I use the Leica and the Hasselblad. Those are the two primary... And I think... Now going back in the field, I'm primarily focusing on the Leica. I'm using the yeah. Leica. Yeah. It's um, 
it's kind of like if you t if you if you took everything away from me and just gave one thing, if I could only have one thing, it would be that camera. Yeah. But even me, having I'm a huge film fan and having shot film for all these years, having done digital for the past couple of years just for my own like blurb stuff and snapshot stuff, it's hard to go back to film because of the time and the convenience and all the things that everybody complains about film. It'd be so easy for me to just shoot digital the whole time. But the problem is I go back to my old work and I look at those negatives and you go, There's just, this is just different. It's just a different thing. And that's the thing that I want. So yeah. plus I, wrote, I was writing, I wrote a post yesterday about why someone asked me to write something about why I like film. And one of the things is the, is the experience of being in the field without a computer and how when you're done shooting for the day, there's no turning to the screen. You you have the ability to engage with the environment that you're in. You go to dinner, you cook dinner with friends. And I was telling someone yesterday, I went to Sicily like five years in a row to work on a project. And I think it was like the fourth year, four, the fourth year, one of the other photographers was came with digital instead of film. And I just remember being in this farmhouse and cooking dinner and playing, there was a Bob Dylan record. They had like three records. And there was a Bob Dylan, early Bob Dylan that I'd never heard and a turntable. And I just listened to it over and over and over again. And this other photographer was gone. They weren't sort of participating anymore because every night, all night was editing, downloading, archiving. And the experience of being a photographer had dramatically changed. And I just remember getting back to the farmhouse, taking out my little bag of film, labeling the rolls, tossing them in my suitcase. And, and that was it, it was done. And there was no, I didn't bring a computer. I didn't have a cell phone. I just went and to experience the place. And that is really important to me. I would much rather take notes in the journal than sit in front of a laptop. I just, yeah. it's, um, I'm just not built Why for that. Why is that? God, where do I start? There's just so many reasons why I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I like the real world. I like what's outside there and not, and not experiencing things through, through a screen, yeah. I think. I mean, the computer is an amazing tool. There are things about it I love, but being in, and probably it's because I'm 47, I'm not 27. I didn't grow up with it in my hand. If I'd grown sure. up with it, maybe, you know, I'd have a different experience, but it's, uh, I would prefer to just face the world that's in front of me and then take notes. Yeah. Plus writing is just a blast. Yeah. Even with my horrible handwriting, I could leave this in front of you and you'd never be able to read anything in yeah, front of me. Pretty. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but I like it. <laughs> okay, next question. Okay. What responsibility do creatives have in today's culture and society? You're not just here to deliver a photo, yeah. but the entire aspect, the concept of being creative, how does that fit in our culture and society? Yeah, I figure, I mean, that's a pretty big question. Taking it on in, in a small way, I think part of, part of the... Part of creativity is this idea that that it's contagious, and so when we, I think, as as individuals, I think the reason I like photography or surfing or any of these different things that, we, that I get to do is because it helps in other areas of life. Meaning, you know, it's a classic. It's kind of cliche, I guess. That's why I'm talking about it this way. You know, that in photography, you realize, okay, this this frame doesn't work. I try something else. This lens doesn't work. I try something else. This light doesn't work. I try it. You know, and for me, it's all about finding something that's there. You know, I'm I'm more of a I'm not a journalist in that sense. I think journalism's really really hard, but I am in that like let's uncover, let's unearth, let's find. And so for me, practicing that then translates to everything. 
you know, we were talking about my kids earlier, which means um, it's very uncreative just to yell at a kid. Uh, my kids were just being crazy. They were coming to the dinner table, sitting down, gobbling food, and I was yelling at them like, wait till everyone's sitting, you know, and it's like, okay, that's the most uncreative response. So the next night I took these little wood skewers and I, I drew these notes on them and they were really colorful and create, you know, and fun. And it basically said like any kid who sits down at the table and eats before anyone else does has earned a chore and here are the different chores you're going to earn. And so they all <laughs> ran into the kitchen, looked and read that and were like, oh, and sat down and waited until everyone was sitting, you know? And so that yeah. to me, like that's, that's what creatives bring to the world, whether it's with, development in Wyoming or politics or because it's easy to say you know politics is big obviously right now to, to just slam something or it's easy to even say you know I think that famous Ken Robinson talk you know creativity or education is killing creativity it's easy to be like yeah you know schools are killing creativity it's really hard to be creative about that uncreative problem right and say like well what do we do or um, with the p- political situation yeah you can slam the candidate whatever one is on not on your side, but then the question is, what do we do? How do we communicate? How do we convey? How do we move ahead? How do we work within? How do we make the most of what we have? So that, to me, is the obligation of, of the creative. And it's not just about, you know, I'm a photographer, so I'm going to add a charity to my website, and, and that's good marketing. It's about saying, as humans, we're made to make the most with what we have. How do we do more of that? A good is that answer. a fair answer? No, 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 it's good. It's good. To me, it's the same thing when I think about, let's say, the West, and you think you have development on one side, and you've sure. got environmental movement on the other, you've got ranching in the middle. It's There needs to be a new language in the middle. Yeah. Because if you say global warming, you've just eliminated 50% of the room. They're right. just going to be like, go away from me. I don't believe in that, whatever. Right. And so you can't point fingers and blame, and which is what we've been doing. So there, luckily, there are people out there that are, are developing this like new language it's a, and the creativity is the intermediary between those groups to say like don't point the finger i think we're all basically on the same page but we're just looking from different perspectives so hopefully we can solve that it's one of those things that i look at the future and think at some point in my life i have to get involved in that because yeah. it just I, there's just too much emotion there looking at it and uh and saying i just i just want people to understand what's happening yeah. That's all. Yeah. Because people aren't malicious. They're not evil. Right. They just don't know. Right. And so. Right. 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 And that, that's maybe the other side of the answer is, and I, I think to most of my answers, like I'll come to them two days from now because I think about this stuff a lot. But anyway, but <laughs> it's, uh, the other side is I think creatives pay attention to things the rest of the world ignores. I mean, that's the job of creative engineer, creative artist, creative anything. And it's to then, like you're paying attention to this, the issue of development or or whatever and and then to do something about that and i think that's the that is the obligation of the creative is not to just um you know you could kind of see that that's happening take some photos and kind of use it to your advantage if that makes sense sure i'm trying to yeah um let's just say ocean pollution because we've been on this ocean i could take that picture and but it's and then it would get lots of views because there's some maybe a dolphin caught in some kind of pollution, but it's to do that and something else, yeah. right? Um, it's to notice, it's to then maybe create, react, you know, react, respond, and then what, what else happens? I think one thing that gets overlooked with creatives in, in society is the, the actual revenue that the creative industries bring in, which never gets any credit. 
I mean, governments, city governments, local governments, they, right. they, they don't even qualify. They don't quantify it because it's like a creative thing. And when you realize what kind of revenue is involved with the, basically the GDP that's coming from the creative side, you're like, whoa, this is legitimately part of the part of the, this is a piece of the pie. Right. And it, and it, you realize, wow, this is, there is a lot of power here. And some people are really good at using it, but I think you're right. It's easy today to make noise, but then to actually get dirty is a different, yeah. is a different well, thing. That's like an amazing way to say that. Well, I've been, I was rehearsing that. Uh, yeah, that was good. I'm going to write that one down. Easy that, to make noise. Yeah. But that's it, man. That's it. <laughs> and and then maybe to add on to it, it's you know easy to make noise, tough to get dirty, and then it's also once you are dirty, difficult to make something that that isn't just more dirt. Is it more dirt? You know and, what I mean. And doesn't I think pointing the finger is the hard hard thing yeah, to avoid. Of saying, I, you know, how do I get that person who's dug in? Yeah. To look at things in a different way without getting on edge, and it's hard. It's it really hard. hard. Yeah. I mean, it's hard in photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have people who basically, you know, you shoot film and you're you're an idiot, you're a moron. Why would right. you do that? And they're like really incensed that I would choose to go yeah. down that route. And I'm like, it's really not important here in the yeah. grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter. Speaking of film and photography, what um, what sort of fuels you to to do this? Is it the assignment work or the personal work, or uh, like everyone else, a combination of the uh, of the two? Yeah, that's a great question. Someone was asking me once how much, or recently they asked me, one of my buddies, so I said, how much of your work is personal, how much of it, you know, and that kind of divide, and sort of the same, getting to the same type of question, not necessarily what inspires me, but what do you do? And I've kind of come at photography backwards a little bit, so I, um, in the sense of most of my work is personal. I'll photograph someone or something, and then I'll, a magazine will pick it up versus the other way around. So that fuels me more, like that type of an approach. Um, of course, it's nice to have a client call you, and you know that's yeah. nice pat on the back. But I think it's that uh, the other other stuff that fuels me more, because and, and it feels like being a kid. I guess as a kid, going to another sport, skiing. My brother and I always skied on these old skis we get at the ski swap, and our friends had all these nice shiny skis, and we were always so proud if we could go off jumps higher than the people with the new gear, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. And so I kind of feel that in photography too. Whenever you can, it's personal, it's grassroots, you're just doing it because you want to do it and you're out there and then and then it turns into something, that's really, really gratifying. It's, it's, a, it's gratifying when a client has something and there's marketing surrounding it and it's a success and all that, but just not as much. I get it, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I was, I wrote something recently about creating magazines Okay. and I was thinking back and I literally sat there and realized that I had never in my life spoken to a photographer that I knew about getting published in a magazine where the photographer said they did an amazing job. They published it exactly how I would have loved to have had it right. published. It's never happened. Everyone says, oh, you know, it's always a, a compromise and typically kind of a, a cruel compromise and how it's how much fun it is to make your own magazine because then you can just run it exactly the way you had it in your head when you were shooting it. And yet people say, well, how are you going to make a living with that? And I'm like, you're not. You probably won't make any money at all. But I would much rather have a copy of that, of something that I created and published and printed of the work the way that I intended it to be seen as opposed to like two pictures in Life magazine. Right, right. But people go, oh, you got published in Life. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, but it's not really what you think. I did, but it's not... You know, it doesn't really do anything. For right, me. right, right. And I think, yeah, that gets back to the whole thing of, I mean, just getting to making something with your hand or earning it or, or 
you know, I think whenever there's, a, and that's why film is so fun, I think, because it is so difficult and you earned it in a different way or you made, you know, you're, you know, that, that, that thing. And the, when the question comes up of how are you going to make a living with that, I, I think that's just the wrong question, right? Because that's not the point. It's kind of like if someone said, Chris, you like mountain biking. How are you going to make a living off? And it's like, I'm not, and yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I just do that. Ride. I just want to ride. I want to get out there. I want to clear my head and that's really, really valuable. And then that actually helps me make a living in my other stuff. And so it's, it's finding those two things, going back to that earlier thing of identity, right? Dimension. Yeah. So. Okay, so I'm going to shuffle these questions up a little bit. But um, this was a weird question that I came up with, which I think I might know your answer to this. But it, if, if photographically everything that you knew and you were doing went away, and then you were basically like sort of pulling back and saying, okay, I can... I can go back to photography now and start over. What would you, what would you start doing? Is it portraits? Is it? Yeah, great question. And that's part of the reason why I was and then trying to get your answer a little bit there. Yeah, and for, I mean, for me, where that I go to is last year published a book, and then after the book was done, I realized I need to kind of do some housekeeping stuff. One of them was migrate data from. So I'll answer your question long, long way data from old hard drives to new hard drives. Long story short, in the process of doing that, I made a mistake. It's a long, boring story. And I thought I, you know, there's a month where I thought I lost everything, like every photograph I had ever taken. When it first happened, there was this feeling of like isolation, shame. It was, I mean, I think the equivalent of a near-death experience creatively, you know, like, you know, and I started to kind of go through, I couldn't even talk about it. I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I talked to my wife about it, but I couldn't tell my colleagues because it's like, it was so embarrassing. You know, it's like, that's the one mistake you don't make. Or if you do make it, you blame it on the hard drive or something. It was my fault. <laughs> and it, and then I had to ask myself, well, why did I make, anyway, long story short, I got the images back. And then when I did, I went through every image I'd ever taken. Like, crazy it was a it took me forever and I cleaned house I just deleted stuff like you wouldn't believe like entire shoots I was just never happy with boom gone forever and it wasn't that I was ruthless it it was more that I was just exhausted and saying like what matters you know so I think it's sort of that question of then where do you start and then for me where I started at first was just doing nothing. That's why I was interested in you taking time off. I'm like, I just can't go back to this right now. I can't even, I have no interest. I, I have to sort of figure out why am I taking pictures? Mm -hmm. And then when I thought about, okay, what pictures matter? Well, it's, you know, people were the things that mattered most. Like I was, it was really easy to delete a landscape. It was easy to delete... I mean, it would be sad, you know, there are landscapes I like and I love the land, I love the way, but I don't think my landscape work is very good. So um, so anyway, for me, I, it's it's people. And then I think mostly what I realize is that camera is a chance to connect with someone, discover something in someone that, you know, that like, this is really weird. Okay, here goes a weird Chris thing. All right, let's it? have it. Okay is I think that there's like light within people. I think the way people talk about light photography is half wrong. They talk about reflected light, you know, available light. You know, I think all those things matter, but I also think we all have this like essence or energy or soul or whatever. And I'm not talking like metaphysical, like eyes are glowing or something. 
But I, I do think there is strength, beauty, there's stuff in people. And I think in people photography, that's really what we're trying to do is figure out, you know, is, is capture that. And I would say the same thing with writing. You know, writing isn't just about like man walk down the street, but it's like, who is the man? Why is the man? Where, you know, it's like that deeper stuff. So anyway, for me, it's that. And I think it's mostly that as a way to connect and grow. So that's my comeback. You know, I like lost, I went to that near death thing and then I'm coming back and I'm shooting very, very differently, which is sort of a trip. Um, I, I feel much less, um, I felt like I was trying to prove myself. I look at, cause I've done a few photo books I mentioned mm -hmm. and I was, I was talking with a mutual friend of ours, um, Susan, and I was saying, it's kind of embarrassing but I had this re revelation that in those books, I hadn't realized it, but I was trying to prove myself more than I had realized. You know, I think it's, you know, you kind of look backwards on your life and you're like, wow, I was, and why was that? And then, so it's like, okay, I need to do some work there, identity work. Well, I think proving yourself now is very different than it was 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. I, where when I got into photography, I was very much on an island. There was no communication outside of the, t the landline telephone. Right. And you called New York, and New York controlled your career, basically. It's where the editors and the agents were. And then suddenly there came the computer, then the web, then the website, and now social. And so I think proving yourself on a minute-by-minute -minute basis throughout the day is very much a part of the equation for a lot of people. And disconnecting for three and a half years, which is what I did, you realize how little meaning that has. Because even if it means everything at that one moment in time, 10 minutes later, yeah. and then, and it's hard. It's really hard to not factor that into what you're doing. It starts to influence the projects. It starts to influence the equipment you use, how you deliver it, how much noise you're making about the process of making the work. And then you realize... I don't know if any of this actually matters. The only thing that matters is the actual images that you end up with and right. sort of the experience that you had in making them. Yeah. But it's hard. It is hard. It's, I equate it to like being inside the fort, you know, and the guys are storming the fort and you're inside and it's really hard to keep that stuff out. It's almost yeah. impossible. I, I don't know if you know or not. I'm not like there's been a press release by any means, but I have an Instagram account as of 10 days ago, okay. again, after three and a half years. And it came about because Blurb said, I was with someone at Blurb, and she was like, God, it'd be really great for us if you had an Instagram account. And I was like, never going to happen. But long story short, they set up an account for me. And then I realized I didn't want to put that on them to have to choose what to put on my account and then have to caption and keyword. And I'm like, they're not going to, it's unfair to them to do yeah. that. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. But and What's I've had it under, by the way. It's so. my name, Daniel okay. Daniel okay. Milner. Got it. And uh, within ten minutes of being on Instagram again, it was in my subconscious yeah. of like. And what I realized was I'm not doing a stream of consciousness feed. It's not I'm with Chris right now, boom, yeah. and I'm going to yeah. post this. I'm using it as a portfolio. It's all yeah. curated stories. Okay. But even still, it was like because people immediately started to follow me, people yeah. that I knew, not yeah. because of the photography, but because they knew me. Right. And I, first of all, I was like, one, how did they know I was back on here? Yeah. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. And then two, do I have to follow them now? Because they're yeah. gonna think I'm a jerk. So I wrote a blog post and said, I am a jerk. I'm not gonna follow anyone yeah. really because I can't mentally handle it. Right, right, right. But it's so invasive. It's scary that I think about, are people gonna like this? And then I'm like, why does it matter? I don't care if anyone likes it. It's already done. It's a 15-year-old image. Who cares? But it's really hard to keep them keep the wolves at bay. Yeah. 
It is. And, and I think part of that too, which you, you do an amazing job at, is to try to try to stay honest you know, within all this evolution of photography, you know, for some reason, I don't know how you do it, which I want to know your secret of like, you're, I feel like you're like this voice in the wilderness kind of thing. Like you have this vision and kind of like, screw it. I'm going to be honest and real in this space. But th the reason why I think that's tough to say for a guy like me is I believe wholeheartedly in what Plutarch said, you know, way back a thousand, couple thousand years ago that, you know, to create, how did, how did he put it? He said, to create harmony, we must investigate discord. Whereas I think social media is just like harmony, 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 like, you know, and it's like, great, you know, you, and then, but you got to have time where you go dark, you know, where you stay like, I messed up or, or like we were saying earlier, or this is bothering me or, you know, and, and that just doesn't translate well to that space. Mm -mm. Um, or, or like, or I, I want to show some friends some photos where they're bad. Like I want to show you some of my bad photos and say, Dan, help me out. I don't know where to do that anymore. You know, I used to have spaces to do that, but now it's sort of like you're saying that might be like social. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what you do with that, but I do think it's part of the process, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, we've created a facade yeah. and everyone knows it's a facade right. and everybody plays along. Yeah. The New York Times Magazine yesterday afternoon, where I was, saw it yesterday afternoon, Sunday Magazine, they had a story about Beyonce okay. and about her social media presence and saying, yeah, it's a total facade. But this is why it works as a facade for her, because it allows her to go actually live her real life. Yeah. And what she's putting online is a version of facade of that life, right. but it sort of balances out and works. And photographers have been now, everybody's doing that. Yeah. And so it's really hard. And when you step away from it, uh, you, you can see it clearly and you look back on it and go, God, that's so weird. How, why did I ever, ever, ever do that? Right. And now to be sort of, you know, one foot sort of dangling back in there is a little weird. And, I, and, it, and it, it is, um, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it too, there's the other layer of uncomfort. I think Tim Ferriss said that he said, comparison is the kryptonite of creativity, which is like all of a sudden now you're comparing. So it's not just your own work, but then you're all of a sudden comparing it to, you know, it doesn't matter how many likes there's, you know, or who, who but that element Comparison, I think, can be healthy and good, right? Because it's like, hey, I. But it's just that peer group's gotten blown wide open, and so that's the confusing part, right? That's. I remember being in photo school, and I T Max thirty two hundred was a film that yeah. I. The first day I used it, I was like, this film's for me. Yeah. And so I literally shot nothing but that for like ten years for my own work. I only shot that film, no matter what time of day, what light. I only shot that. And I'd done a couple of stories and a photographer that I really liked looked at the work and he very quickly said, oh, this reminds me of Antonin Cretacqueville. And that really kind of floored me in both a positive and a negative way. Positive because I had found uh, a, an old, old, old copy of News Photographer magazine when I was going to school at UT Austin in the photojournalism program. And it was about Cretacqueville fleeing as a refugee from the Czech Czechoslovakia and landing in Europe and like sleeping on couches and becoming the photographer that he became. And I loved his work. So I was positive in the sense that like, wow, I know Cretacqueville and he's kind of like this guy that I really like is his work. And at the same time, I was like, oh shit, did I copy him? Did I subconsciously say, oh, you know, maybe, and I realized his films, dark, grainy, contrasty, black and white. And it was kind of like, mm. now, it, the comparison is on hyperdrive, like yeah. all, all day long, every day. Yeah. And the idea of a like or quantity of likes establishing someone as a good or bad photographer is just, 
it's mind-blowing. And, and to, to watch clients fall into the scalability, which is the word that, that you know, yeah. when I first heard the word content instead of photography, I knew we were in trouble. And when I heard scalable attached to a photographer's name, I was like, that's not good either. Because it's clients who are lazy, who don't understand, who are looking for that quick silver bullet, the quick fix saying, Chris has a million Instagram followers. Well, if we work with him, then his followers are our followers. And it doesn't work that way. But it fuels this like brush fire of people running in that direction. And again, it's you start seeing that everybody's work looks the same. And it's who's more a better tactician in promotion and the photography gets lost and the problem is when you promote subpar work over and over and over again it kills it for everybody because the public sees less and less good work and they see that work presented quickly sloppily and it's just this you, you suddenly you're in the washing machine with everyone else yeah. and the great photographers to me the best people in the world they're not on social yeah. they're just making work whether they're artists or photographers or whatever, they just make work and they make better work than anybody else in the world. And everybody, we're all trying to, you know, trying to scramble to be those people and it's really difficult and it has nothing to do with social. Yeah. So when I walked through the house earlier, I saw a guitar on the couch. Yeah. And I'm curious, I wrote a post a couple of days ago about being more than a photographer, how it's really important to sort of round yourself out. What, besides surfing, what kind of other things are out there? Is it music? Is it what? What else? The outdoors, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And back, you know, looping it back to that earlier question, the easy answer when people say, "What do you do?" or you know, photography and teach uh, or education. But my internal definition is much, much different than that. So I, I don't even, I don't think I internally call myself a photographer. Um, I think mine's more. I feel like I'm a creative person who does a number of different things, and so. Yeah, those those things are for me. Reading's huge, um, and you know, if if I have too many books, you know, I definitely have too many books. But there's nothing more inspiring to me than being surrounded by books I've read or haven't read or have. So that's part of it. Um, anything that that involves physical movement, you know, in any way, shape, or form, like that's huge. Music, um, harmonica, guitar, cello. Um, oh yeah, that's right. There's a cello in there as well. Yeah, I'm horrible at the cello, but I love that instrument. Sometimes, you know. But that's going back to that whole surfing thing or photography thing. That, or maybe I'll go to another guy, a guy who I really admire, Avon Chouinard, found in Patagonia. But more, he was like this mountaineer guy. And he once said, "We do not climb mountains to to plant a flag in the top, but to be changed." And so, like, you don't play an instrument to get likes. I mean, if you do, that's nice. But sometimes there's just that gratification. I think that's what creatives bring to the world. They just do it because you, you just, you don't know why. You just do it. You know? Well, and I think what you said earlier about, you know, oh, you like mountain biking. How are you going to make a living with that? Yeah. And, and it's hard to explain to someone that there, that never even crossed your mind. Yeah. It's like this, this I'm going to do. And I yeah. love that. You hear stories every day of like, some person out on some harebrained mission and yeah. everyone in the world is like, why on earth would you do that? Yeah. And it's like, don't ask. Just, yeah. just get it's out of the way question. and just, <laughs> yeah. just watch and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's true with so many fun things in life. Like I've always wanted a vintage car. I don't have one. But I think people who get those, they don't make sense. You know, you get a 1965 something, breaks down all the time. It's kind of a piece of crap. But you can see they just have so much joy. Or I think of my friend who like carves spoons and she like just spends all this time carving spoons. She's a photographer as well. But it's like, why does she do it? She just likes wood. She likes making spoons. 
and they're badass spoons. It's so cool, you know. Carving so, spoons. That that's kind of obscure. <laughs> that is. Yeah, it yeah. is. She's a spoon carver. She goes to like spoon carving conferences. I mean, she's super into it. But anyway, the point is, yeah, for me, a lot of those things. Um, and and then, you know, I think finding time. You know, we've kind of been bashing the machine and internet and social and stuff, but finding time away from that um, is is such a key part because I do and I I do a ton of that screen stuff and love a lot of that but for me it's having you know it's like I get let's say Photoshop I get super fast at Photoshop like I'm crazy fast you know and I I think if there was a speed contest in Photoshop I could be up there with like but my point isn't to be fast it's to be able to go hang out with my kids at the beach go on a bike ride do whatever get shoot, shoot some photos and uh, do those things as well. So it's always about, you know, like you've been saying, but dimension, you know, more than a photographer. Like yeah. that to me, more than a photographer is something, I'm going to go read the post, I haven't read it yet, but is, uh, yeah, that's something I need to grow in. And that I also figure, and I, sorry, I'm going on such a rant here, but I figure that's the only way I'm ever going to get better. And that, that's, of course, I have to practice craft. Like, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. But it's sort of like a writer. Like, you just can't keep writing. You, I like the Hemingway kind of approach or whoever it is, you know, these kind of people where it's like you have to go and experience life, and that gives you something to write about. You can't be sequestered. You can't be away. You can't be insulated. You can't just be har- harmony the whole time. You got to, like, stuff's got to go wrong, and you got to learn and grow and change. So that's another thing that Schoenart said is, like, uh when uh, something along the lines of when when everything's gone wrong now now your adventure is about yes, to begin yeah, yeah. it's not when everything's going right. perfectly well which instagram would say it's the otherwise instagram would say adventure begins when you have someone who's pretty stylish out in the wilderness and it's a small person in a big landscape which is kind of funny that we've shifted adventure adventure is like you dress well for it and maybe you have a canoe with a really good wooden paddle and the canoe has a really good blue paint job and it's like in this mountain landscape and now you're really adventuring and, and yeah, that's part of it. I think there's a fun side to bringing style to, to that side of life. But it is also when, yeah, when the shit hits the fan and like you ran out of food and you're backpacking and you're, the sun's beating down, you know, that's when, you know, something happens. I think Instagram has been so powerful in shaping the idea of things. So like what you said, when there, there's like, you look at the, the super celebrities on Instagram that are in like the outdoor action sport wilderness things. And some of those people are totally legit. Yeah. They're climbers, skiers, whatever. They're unbelievable because they can walk, they can walk the walk. And then you have the people that are sort of the younger, maybe not even age discriminatory there, but they're like just shaping the idea of what it's like to go and do those things. And it's funny because you, something you just said, it, it reminded me, I did this hike in Alaska once. It was five days from, it's the Chilkut Trail, the trail that the gold miners put in, in the 18, 1890s, I think. And about the third day out, um, it was 4th of July, full blizzard. Like, I couldn't see 10 feet. And I climbed up this, like, 1,000-foot talus field and then looked across. There was a little break in the snow, and I realized I was off trail. And I was literally on the other side of the valley. So I had to climb back down and go over halfway up the other side and I have like, you know, modern hiking stuff and, you know, I'm not super together, but I had some pretty decent stuff. Halfway up the other side, I come across a guy in a t-shirt who has a four burner Coleman stove on his back held with bailing twine (laughs) around, around his arm. And he's wearing like tennis shoes and a baseball hat. And he was just a badass. He was just a local Yukon 
guy that was like out doing the same trail I was. And I was like, holy shit, I was freezing. I had to go to the warming shelter at the top and like have food and stuff. And he, I don't think he had any food with him, but he had literally a four four burner stove, which, you know, is like literally taller than your, your whole back. And I was like, God, you know, that guy is, he's a badass. Yeah. It's just a different, different experience. Yeah. Okay. So we could talk all day, but let's talk. Um, you've done several books. Uh, yeah. the, let's talk about, in particular, the the Creative Fight book. Yeah. So I got that a while back, and um, what I loved about the book was you can't. I was like, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to go through this whole book, which is what I do with most yeah. books. But then it's the exercises at the end of the chapters where you're literally making me do something, yeah. and I was like, it was such a different experience to consume that book because I had to go chapter by chapter. So every chapter, I literally put, would put the book down, sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks, and I left it next to the bed, and I would come back to it and say, okay, because the exercises. Tell us a little bit about what that is and why you did it that way. Yeah, title, obviously, Creative Fight, and that it is a fight, and that good creative stuff doesn't, it's not like rainbows and clouds and happiness, and, you know, that we have to dig deep and... You know, I, you know, going back, I mentioned Hemingway, but I love what he talks about with writing. Writing's easy. You just sit down at a typewriter and bleed. And it's that side of, I think, you know, pushing the button on the phone or wherever has become really, really easy. But we forget, I think, because of that, that there is this incredibly difficult side to creativity. So anyway, with all of that, I think part of the exercises are just this idea that there's got to be, it's got to be more than entertainment. I think that the fault, it, it, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this because people get mad, but the fault with TED Talks is that they're mostly entertainment. And what I mean by that is you watch them, you're like, you're kind of enlightened, you're inspired, and then you do nothing. You know, and I do that. I, I consume them all the time. I love those things. Yeah. You know, they're great. It's great entertainment, really high quality entertainment. Um the challenge, of course, is because my background's teaching, like classroom teaching. I could inspire students all day long, but the challenge was how do I then convert that into tangible, real growth? And that always comes with having to do something. So that's where, you know, I think that's the backbone. And that's, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about here that we, I think, you know, we know that as photographers that, you know, who've been at it for a little while. I, I didn't mean to call you a photographer. We know that as people who do creative stuff. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so then that was an amazing book to read, you know, or not to read, to write. Mostly, you know, backing up a little bit is when I first started doing books, they were on tools, software, Photoshop, mm-hmm. Lightroom. Then I did a couple of photography books and then this one that is mostly on creativity. But way back in the day when I first thought about writing a book, I was like, who am I to write a book? right? And this was back when books meant a little bit more than they do now. And I listened to this interview on NPR of some guy who had since passed away, but he wrote, a, he apparently has written more books on more topics than anyone in the world. Wow. So he's prolific in his, the topics, you know, organic chemistry, whatever. And he said, whenever I want to learn something, I write a book. And I was like, boom. That is it. You don't write it because you're some wise old sage looking back on life and here's what I've, you know, and I think writing's the same way, right? You Or photography is the same way. You're learning as you're going. You're not like, I'm going to go photograph this thing. I know what it is. I know how to do it. I'm going to, 
you know, kind of impose all of me on this thing. But you, even when you try to do that, you realize, nope, <laughs> you know, um, doesn't work that way. Doesn't, doesn't work that way. Or even, you know, anyone who's done a book project or, you know, like you were saying, you're, those magazine projects or any, any level of publication, you go into it with strong ideas, but then you realize, um, you, you change as you do it. And so that's part of it as well. To me though, it's, you know, I'm sitting there reading that book and half the time I'm daydreaming about you and about why and how you did it, because it's not easy uh, yeah. that, to do a book like that. Yeah. Just one of the chapters, I was yeah. like, good grief. Like you yeah. have to want this so bad to do that. Yeah. And I, and that, that's an expression that I've heard. I would say that the, I have friends in photography who were the generation prior to me. And those people are in a really interesting situation because they came up when the industry was like fully legit. And so workable, sustainable rates, licensing, uh, rights to managed photography, these are kind of things that they, that they made their careers on. And I've see, been around them in the past five years when they're teaching workshops and they're teaching younger people coming in. And the expression that I keep hearing now more than anything else is you have to want this 10 times more than you think you do. Because if you think it's going to be easy yeah. to, to have a career like those people had yeah. today, you're fooling yourself. And yeah. so, but the other thing is um, what you're talking about, you know, you've got to, you can watch a TED talk and you go, wow, that's great. I'm really inspired. And then do nothing. It sort of reminded me, the first analogy that I had was being in the schoolyard as a kid when you're facing your first fight and the the bully looks at you and says what are you going to do about it and you that's the cho- you you're basically at that crossroads where it's like well if i don't do anything then this is going to continue and so i got to do something and so you do something it doesn't necessarily mean violence you could make right. him laugh and then you right. become buddies and whatever but i feel the same way and that's going back to like the sort of development of the west as i keep you know in my head thinking i i this is something i can't avoid at right. some point i can't avoid it anymore it's going to change my life dramatically I just don't know when. It's yeah. just kind of freaking me out. But you know, hopefully, I can postpone it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you do. You you have to. I mean, that gets back to what we were saying. Of like, I think when creatives, what they do is they pay attention to things. They listen to maybe you know podcasts like, like you have, and they become aware of stuff. And then, yeah, they have they they push past that that point of saying, I'm not just going to observe. I'm going to do. I'm going to act. I'm going to you know be or something. And that 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 really is the sweet you know that's that's where the great work comes from and i think like what we tend to do is we flip flap that in our brain like we see someone great and i mean obviously you know you watch the olympics or whatever it is you see some great photographer or or even like i feel like let's say someone listens to what you say or hears your blog post but then you realize like no it's it's so good because of all that you've gone through as a person individually creatively all this you know it's this is years in the making and you know, but when you can adopt that as a mindset, then when something goes bad, like for me, when I lost all my images eventually, and I was in that point where I'm like, they're gone, I had to then say like, okay, um, this is going to shape me. This may shape me for worse. It may shape me for better. Let's go. Um, and and that that is is the fight, perhaps, you know, it, versus just passively letting it do its thing. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I thought about when you said you potentially lost everything. I've thought at different times in my life of just taking my whole archive and throwing it away. Yeah. Because I didn't really feel an attachment to it. And then you start to wonder, okay, if I did that, then 
then that part of me when someone says you know oh you're a photographer you know what kind of let's see some of your work and right. you're like i don't really have any anymore right. and then the how bad that potentially might feel or like how insecure that might make you feel like okay now i got to prove it i don't know if i can make the work like i was doing 15 years ago and then suddenly and it mentally is like a total mind game yeah but that moment that you said okay time to move okay let's go I'll start over. I mean, that to me is the real liberating, powerful moment of saying, I can't do anything about it. So let's yeah. just, let's go kick ass. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Last question. Yeah. I'm debating here which one of these I want to ask. Uh, we could talk about what makes great photography, or we could talk about how different the industry is and where do you think this whole thing is headed? What's yeah. more, what's more interesting to you? Or neither yeah. of those. Yeah, we, can I think talk we, about we hit a lot pen. of the industry stuff. You know, yeah. we kind of, I mean, there is, what's the hope for the industry? I think there is hope. And then also great photography. Both those are pretty good. Let's just, can I do oh, a hybrid? We oh, can no. do a hybrid. And I was going to say, you, you, you feel there's hope. That's yeah. all that, you know, yeah. that's good. I think there's hope. I think there's a lot of hope. I think, you know, bashing all, the, you know, the stuff maybe that, what I'm, I'm all about is, let's just be mindful about what this is. And then historically, let's say 100 years from now, where, how are they going to look back on it? You know, And eventually, once people have 10 million Instagram followers, is the bubble going to burst? It might, right? Like you can only have so many images in your feed. You know, yeah. I don't think our eyes can handle, I don't know what it is. I heard on the radio on the way here, um, I don't know who this person is. I think her name is Serena or Selena Gomez. Okay. Has 100 million Instagram okay. followers. Crazy. And I was like, I don't even know what that means exactly. Yeah. Like, because I don't know who that is. I don't, I don't know what she does. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty astounding. That is astounding. It seems like a lot. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. But then with that, I think the question is, is there hope for, you know, making great photographs? Heck yeah. Is there hope for the industry? Heck yeah. There's so many unique and interesting ways to, 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 to be in this space and I think it is an, an exciting time for image makers in the sense of, you know, you talked about the gold rush, that gold rush trail up there. You know, it's like not everyone's going to maybe discover gold. Like maybe the gold's gone in California, you know, it's like, or, or the Yukon. It's like you can keep digging, but you know what? That era is over. But it, the, the, the corner shop that, I don't know, the guy who started Levi's or whatever the analogy is, there's all this other stuff that's happened and the evolution is still moving forward and it does revolve around great photographs which for me it's the more personal the more specific the more unique to you they are the better they 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 the images are like and i think you can even really quickly just look at 80s photography 80s photography is kind of stuck in the 80s but then there were images captured there that are timeless that transcend time mm -hmm. those typically are because you know it's even you go back to that salgado image you were talking about it's just, it's so him. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. It's so him. It's also a moment in time, but it just transcends everything. So I think the trick from what I try to encourage students to do is to, you know, even like, you know, not to, you know, blur up and all these things, but is, is to make your own thing, make your own book, make your own images, you know, be your own person, dig into this, develop all this stuff. And when you can do that, that's when the magic happens. It's not the other way around. And, and I think maybe it used to be the other way around where it used to be if you, cause I taught at Brooks the photography school, which has since died like a couple yeah. months ago, they yeah, shut yeah. it down. 
I, I left a number of years ago, you know, kind of saw that one coming. But anyway, it used to be you would go to a Brooks because they had the technique that could teach you how to execute and, and make the image. Um, but that doesn't matter. You know, what matters now is this internal thing, you know. And I wouldn't you say that's true? I mean, you've interviewed all these people and hung out with all these people in the industry. Isn't it that, you know, the more, the more they are themselves, the further they've gone? Well, and I think great creatives, you know, to me, when you said you think there's hope in, in photography, which that's always good, great for me to hear. I think in terms of the photography industry and hope, I have no idea because I don't really pay attention anymore. But there's definitely hope for photography because photography itself is still as great as it ever was from the day that we in, invented the process. Photography itself, what we as human beings have done to it and per the professional space and all this stuff, it's up for debate. Like whether it could be gone in five years or it's around, I have no idea. But great creatives, they don't, they don't really care anyway because it's that same thing of like your friend who carves spoons. If she's waiting around for somebody to, to tell her, hey, I'm going to give you a career in spoon carving, she might be waiting her entire life, but she's just going to go carve spoons. It doesn't yes, matter. Yeah. And to me, I kind of feel like uh, Frank Ockenfels in L.A. is a photographer I love, and I've been around him a few times when uh, he's at events where he's not shooting, and he's constantly making stuff. He has a little journal and a book, and he's sketching things or he's folding things or whatever, and it's all day long every day he's making yeah. stuff. I think if he was in prison, he would be making license yeah. plates or whatever because that's just what he does. And yeah. I think that's really the important, the important part is that. And I think in today's maybe modern photo industry, it's reversed of like, you've got to create this, you've got to create the idea of who you are first and then put that on social, create this facade and then try to somehow follow it up with images. Right. And your images, you're kind of looking around like, who's hot? Okay, well, he's hot, I'm gonna copy that. And yeah, or this will work well, I'm gonna shoot that or whatever. Where Frank, I feel like it's autobiographical. Like it's like everything is that guy. It's like a one-to-one yeah. -one thing. And that's like people like that, they're, they're Brilliant. Well, and 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 you're if you work that way, you've got the in my mind, you have the potential for a career. Yeah. If you work the other way, you might have a hot year. Yeah. It's the to me, it, it's the exact same thing that happened in the '80s with cross processing. You had fashion guys who just cross processed, and when that went away, they yeah. went away. All yeah. of them. There's yeah. not a single one left, and they went away in about an 18 month span. When someone said, "Hey, the computer's here, I can mimic." anything it was just gone there was no reason to cross process film and so they were left with like well my pictures are really okay but they're not anything unique because i never learned to be unique right. i just learned what was hot right and to me it's like the idea of of someone a young kid out there right now being able to look at photography and and creating this really cool sustainable rewarding career that's a very exciting thing yeah because the the field and the art form deserves it it yeah. really does yeah. it's not it doesn't deserve to be watered down yeah to, and have and have its meaning sucked away yeah but, yeah and i think that i mean part of the, the other side of the hope for photography is that it's let's say it's similar to writing you know if you can write well meaning communicate via email not necessarily write books you'll you'll go places in life that you wouldn't go if you couldn't put together words if you can shoot images well it just, it does things now. I mean, it's like, it is the currency. It is the vernacular. It is the, you know, and, and whether or not that's like directly, you're wearing that photographer's vest and cap or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if those still exist, but, um, or, or it's part of your mix. You know, you are the person who, I don't know, loves cooking and food and you shoot your photos and everyone likes those. I mean, it's all of a sudden it's, 
it's it fuels that it furthers that it engage you know and, and it opens up new doors and new ways to grow and change and evolve so i think that's where the excitement is and it's i mean what obviously what you're kind of getting at is it's bringing dimension to the to the game making it more autobiographical you know and 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 kind of doing it for the hell of it you know like i you see these people who maybe they're really into tin types or i don't know or something or maybe someone listens to this and they're like i'm going to bring back cross processing go for it yeah and and you do that just for the hell of it and i think people like that it's refreshing you know whatever it is or or you like portraits a certain way with really huge octobanks go for it and go all in and make them so you that that it, that it means something to someone else that's that's the sweet spot at least that i found it's funny because I, I periodically i get asked to, to do portfolio reviews okay and i typically say no because i don't really know what to say anymore and i don't work as a photographer so so i feel like in some ways i'm not the best person yeah. but um i was in australia a few months ago and i did a portfolio review and i got four or five people that were really good and they were coming from all different walks of life commercial okay. guy and then a fine art person or whatever and what I love about looking at portfolios is typically there's always an image or two in the portfolio that they show me that doesn't belong. And I immediately cue in on those because they're going to show you the stuff that's in their sweet spot and, you know, it's solid commercial work or whatever. And I don't really know what to say about it. But this commercial guy, for example, puts an image there and it just is so wildly out of place with the rest of the book. And I immediately go, tell me about this. And he starts squirming. And you can tell that he put it in for a reason but he's just waiting for someone to like help him along in that. And I said, these are the pictures that are, that tell me where you're going to be in five years because you clearly put it in for a reason. Now I want you to explain why you put it in. And that to me is the real, the real thing of like saying there was no one telling him to do that. There was no one telling him to make that image. That image was made because that little spark inside of him said, that's kind of what I'm interested in. And when I worked for Kodak in LA years ago, I would go around from studio to studio. And the better I got to know people, the more they would share with me. And there was a guy down in Orange County who was a car photographer. And at the time, car photographers were, in my experience, were the highest paid people I'd seen. They were, had the biggest production. They had their own studios. They were making insane amounts of money. It was a it was sort of a, a, a secret kind of community. There were like half a dozen guys in Southern California that shot all the cars. And this guy was amazing. He shot Land Rover. He shot all, all kinds of stuff. And um, after I'd been around him two or three times, he kind of, I went into his office and he literally looked around to make sure there was no one else around. And he, he didn't say anything. He just waved me with his hand. He said, you know, get over here. And he opened up a desk drawer and he pointed and he said, this is who I really am. This is what I really want to do. And it was fine art work. It was to totally unrelated to cars. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, he's so good at cars but his heart's not, that's not even who he is, and he's able to do that kind of stuff. So just imagine how good that work is. That, to me, is exciting. That's what I would love to see stripped away. And to do that, though, you're in that, that scenario of saying, do I need to work as a photographer? Should yeah. I be a pro, or should I just do what I want to do? Right. And I think that there's so many people now who feel that's the, the step that they have to take. You have to go pro. And my, my my sentiment is no, you don't. If you just want to make your own work, don't go pro because yeah. you won't be making your own work. Yeah, yeah. Or just go pro when they just, you know, it's so much of a musician, you know, it's like, well, do I become a pro musician? It's like, well, you make music and once they start paying you to make the music, you say, yes, thank you for the money and you keep making the music. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's not like, I think that's funny in photography. People feel like, you know, you go, 
the you go pro before the money comes in and then that going pro makes the money come in but it doesn't work that way it's just yeah. like anything right like you, you that's a good point you yeah know. and that that or that the pro is some, somehow validation but the pro doesn't even i don't know that whole thing doesn't even matter anymore and you look at and that's where i think people are getting really creative they're and they're using social in a really good way that they're inventing career paths that didn't exist before mm-hmm. and they're doing it one brick at a time or one, you know, whatever at a time. And so, you know, that's they're And they're, they're doing that, I think, by opening up that drawer and that like that auto photographer saying, this is who I really am, or this is maybe who I'm really becoming, like that portfolio thing, that photography really is a path. It's a journey. It's like, and that the photos of the past are important. But yeah, it is, it's never stagnant. You know, it's never... Um, and that's maybe going back to surfing or climbing or any of these kind of things. Or, or maybe fitness for that matter. It's like you ran a marathon a year ago. That doesn't mean you're fit today. But the thing is, okay, well, what's the next marathon we're going to do? Or what's, you know, what's the next thing? Or what's, where this this leading? And I love that story. I mean, for me, the car one makes me really think, like, what is my drawer? You know, and I'm trying to think about that. And do I have the guts to to go there, you know, and I think that's really his question, right? That guy's quite, he has a career, he has all the income. Can he actually do the fine art? Well, I think in his particular case, and I don't know because I I never really knew him very well, Yeah. but um, he did several things that were based 100% on passion that were probably not financially the best moves, but he did them because he had to do them. That was just the thing. But um, that industry went away when CGI came in. So all of those guys that were car shooters had to really radically yeah. adapt. And so I think his personal stuff came much more to the forefront because he thought maybe he's, he felt he looked out and said, well, I'm not even sure I want to do yeah. what car photography is becoming. So maybe I'll throw I'll go all in on this stuff. But you said something about social a minute ago. There's one thing that I think is really magical about social, and that is really young kids. So let's say like 12, 13, 14-year-old kids who have talent, who don't even know they have talent, who don't know about things like, no one cares how old you are if you're creating something that has value or interest and they're able to put it out and it gives them that little pat on the back or the push on the back where they go, oh, like I made something and I took a picture of it on Instagram and someone in China wants to buy it or someone in China wants to be my friend or whatever. That to me is a really interesting use of, of social, especially with like, with, with like early, I don't know, eight, 10, I don't even know what I would say eight year old to 15 year old kids are like able to see how they can fit into the world creatively, which is pretty interesting. It is. Yeah. And and there's an innocence. It's not like marketing. It isn't marketing. No, that's what it is. Yeah. They're just amazed. They put it out in the world and they go, oh my God, someone likes the thing that I made. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And the equivalent might be, you know, I'm not a football fan, but I have a good friend who is, and he was talking about the difference between NFL or pro football, college football and high school football. You know, and call it or NFL is like you're just doing it because you're paid. Really, you know, obviously passion, all these other things. But then college, he likes more because it's sort of pure or something. And then high school, it's just a bunch of scrappy kids like yeah. figuring stuff out. And that's what it makes me think of. And I love that too that it's giving outlets and ways to just, you know, again get back to just create, just to create. Because they're not thinking like, well, this will be good for my brand in the long term. I no. might get something else out of it. It's, you know that doesn't matter at that age no that's the thing they put it out and then but but it's nice for them to understand that the potential is there for them yeah 
to maybe have a business at some point yeah. because of this thing that they were, but they're starting from the side of the create, creative side yeah, of just yeah. like, I made this because I really want to make it right, and not right. like I'm going to be a global superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I'm aiming for. Yes. That's, yeah. that is the goal, isn't it? All right. Any parting, uh, parting shots, any, anything we should uh, talk yeah. about? Yeah. One question for you is, so I am desperate to become a better photographer, create more meaningful f- images you know, obviously I had this near-death, you know, creative near-death experience, as I like to think of it. Um, what's your advice to me? How do I do that? Man, that's tough. You Personally. Wanna... I want personal. I don't want conceptual. I want, like, I mean, you know, with what we've talked about or what you're familiar with who I am, what I've done, what I'm trying to do. I think one of the things to do is to put parameters on on yourself. So there's a big, big difference. Let's say that you want to, you want to do a pro- personal project. I was thinking about this on the drive down here. When I was in college and studying photojournalism, you had to come up with projects on a weekly basis, and you had to, you had to get access, you had to shoot them, and then you had to process all the film in the darkroom, make the prints. It was really agonizing, and you know most of the work wasn't very good because that's really hard to do. And then people would come in and they'd say, "Well, I want to do a story on homelessness in the U.S." Well, you have four days, you know, ain't gonna happen. But what if you went and found a local homeless person and spent four days with them? Because in a lot of ways, it's a lot easier for me to relate to that if I'm filtering through one person who maybe was having a great life, had some difficulties, and now they're on the street. So, and that's a doable thing that maybe in four days you can give me a little picture of that. So the per, you're basically limiting yourself, and in limiting yourself, you're setting yourself free to just focus on that one thing. And I think it translates to equipment. It translates to the, all aspects of the process. I'm not going to build a website from this. I'm not going to build a book. I'm not, I have no inter- external goals. It's just I'm going to limit myself down to find a story that has borders that I can see that's manageable. And it's narrow enough that I just am going to focus on that one thing and just go over and over and over again. There's no rush. There's no putting it on social. There's no putting it on the website. There's no looking for for, for joy. There's no looking for feedback from other people outside of the fact of once you've built up the work and you've got it presentable to where you can get real feedback. I think that's, that's how, because if you, if you rush it, if you put it out, you're just going to get meaningless. Hey man, amazing. Great. Awesome. Those one word kudos that don't mean anything. Right. And then I think you have to, um, I think writing as you go is really important because I think it, it can be faced, especially if you're traveling to do a story, you're by yourself and you're sort of left there at the end of the day with like, what am I, what am I actually doing? This is a nice little reflector. And I always encourage people to write as if no one is ever going to see this book, because if you're writing, thinking someone will see it, you're not writing. You're just, you're crafting another facade of what you think people are going to want to see in here. I mean, if I, I, people would freak out if they knew what was in this book, because I write about everybody and I write perfectly and utterly honest and I write about myself honestly so there would be things in these books that people no one in the world knows about me that are in these books and that is a liberating thing it's a very very freeing freeing thing plus my handwriting is so bad even if they find it they can't read it anyway which is the sort of the perk of bad handwriting um and I think um I think it's hard I mean I in part part of me feels like I don't I don't know what to tell you to get better because you're already you're at a level where it's about primarily fine-tuning unless you're not happy and then it goes back to to reinventing and just changing and because it's real easy to go shoot things that you know you can shoot and it's difficult to go 
and try something entirely new, which I think is, I mean, that's, that's a blast. So even when I do portraits like this, typically, I haven't done one of these in a while. I shoot one roll of film in the Hasselblad, 12 frames. I try to make four different portraits on 12 frames and I try and I give myself two minutes to do the whole shoot and I move people. So I'll pre-scout, I'll come in, look at light and say one, two, three, four locations. I've got three frames each and I've got to get something and I give myself two minutes to make it. So those are the parameters. Yeah, typically. I don't have my Hasselblad, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. today yeah, we'll yeah. probably take like yeah. four hours. I like that. I like the parameters, the limit. I think especially in the limitless nature that we've been talking about with with photography and stuff. I mean, I'm holding, you guys can't see this, yeah. but I'm holding a uh, plastic film holder that holds 10 rolls of 35 millimeter. Just leaving with this alone and saying, this is it. This is all I have. I mean, and that's one one of the reasons I love film is that people say, yeah, but you, you've, you're so limited. You've only got 36 exposures. And I'm like, that's what I like about it is that I got to think. I have to make this count. There's no overshooting and everyone thinks overshooting is this wonderful beneficial tool that you can just shoot and shoot and shoot and then go back and learn and i don't see people for the most part doing that i see them overshooting that translates to sloppy editing because you sit down and you go god i can't look through you know i shot five gigs this morning i don't want to look through that especially when you're shooting similars and you're like oh this is painful film i don't do that it's like i might shoot on a 36 exposure roll of film there may be four or five different scenes that I'm working on that same roll of film. How do you get your film back? Like, do you do, do you have them scan them or do you get yeah. prints? Or? I use two labs in LA. I use Richard Photo and I use Photo Impact, who yeah. I've been using for almost 20 years. Don Weinstein owns Photo Impact. He's a great guy. I send the film to them. They do high-res scans and put it on an FTP and I just download yeah. it from wherever I am. Then Got they it. hang on to the film for me and I have them ship it out to me every few months. Got and. It. uh which is funny because I haven't done it in a while, so I'm you know, yeah. excited about sending stuff in yeah. and, and uh, get that anticipatory weight of like, oh, did I screw this up? Like this roll of film's been in that M4 for a long time, so I purposely didn't change it because I mm -hmm. thought if it's messed up, then it'll be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Well, I really appreciate you taking time. This was um, long overdue. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Hopefully maybe this can be like a reoccurring conversation or we should come up with something like, specific or you shoot something i shoot something and yeah then we, we should do that we look at work yeah and that we need to add next time a bike ride into the mix too definitely hike bike ride i was yeah. gonna say surfing but i wouldn't yeah. last five minutes out there yeah, yeah. but anyway thanks yeah. again yeah thank you super good illuminating um inspiring to get a chance to sit down and chat with you awesome well hopefully we'll see you soon